0: I want you to ask your question. Do you know that you know that you know that you've been saved? And do you know that you're still saved? And folks, I want to tell you, so if you've been saved, you're still saved. And there ought to be some birthmarks in your Christian life uh, that, that tell you that you have some blessed assurance. I love that old song by Fannie J. Crosby, and I'd like to read her life story sometime, Brother Harrison, I never have, about uh, that song she sung, uh, wrote, Blessed Assurance, Jesus Mine, Oh, What a Foretaste of Glory Divine. And I want you to see that in this chapter, there's some impeachable evidence. I hate to use that word, because I am fed up with all this waste of time trying to get rid of the present. I think we ought to just go up there and build something, do something, and get something done. Amen? So uh, that's a paid political announcement, not being partisan, but being biblical. But how can we know for sure that we're saved? There's some unimpeachable evidence. Let's start in verse 1, John chapter 5. We found my outline. It got lost in cyberspace last last week. We never did find it until Thursday, but we got it. And um, I want to go over it because I thought it was uh, one of my best outlines that got lost. But folks, thank God you can't get lost. Amen. You need to know that you know that you know that you're saved. Amen. Thank God. You ought to know this is the Word of God. You would have been proud of our evangelist, Brother Jeremy, Monday. He answered questions from a bunch of preachers about the Word of God, gave his presentation, and I was amazed at his uh, composure of answering all those questions. And you need to get him some meetings where he can uh, uh, can he can he can distribute the knowledge that God's given him about this King James Bible being the word of God. Amen. Preserved, not only inspired, but preserved. The Lord can save us, he can save his word, and he has. I read about a little fella that was standing on the side of the road when a stranger came by that was lost, and he said, "Uh, fella, how do you get to town? The little boy said, I don't know. He says, where's Route 20? He said, I don't know. He says, where does this road go? He said, he replied, I don't know. And he says, what is the name of this road that I'm on? He says, I don't know. And then, boy, you don't know anything, do you? And the little fellow replied and looked at him and says, I know I ain't lost. Amen. And you know, thank God I know I'm not lost. Amen. I might not know a lot, but I know one thing. I was saved 11 and a half years of age. My daddy was a drunk. I didn't have anything to offer God. I wasn't religious enough to get saved. I wasn't right enough to get saved. There's not a ladder to heaven. There's a cross to heaven. And I thank God that I got saved by the grace of God. When I was 11 and a half years old, saved a lot of trauma during this uh, teenage years of mine and my home life that was a total wreck until my daddy got saved. When I was preaching at the age of 63, he walked the aisle and got saved, thank God. But I want to give you real quick that uh, some things you can know. We went over this last week, so we'll, I'll preach and, and uh, we won't stand in uh, reading the Word of God. We'll just uh, preach it and read it and preach and read it. But number one, there's a personal relationship. Put her down, brother there's a personal relationship look at verse 1 uh, you can know you say because you have a personal relationship It says whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Son of, is, is Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him now that's a great challenge amen you need to love who God loves and if you have trouble loving this book you need to check up on your salvation you have trouble loving God's people and God's worship and God's man, uh, you need to check up on your salvation. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. John uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 uh, was asking about how to inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, you must be born again. And that means born not of just the flesh but born of the spirit. Amen. There needs to be a spiritual birth in every person's life. And when you have a spiritual birth, guess what? You become a child of the King. Say Amen. You don't become a Baptist. You don't. Be- I think you ought to be. And, if, and somebody asked somebody one time, said, "What would you be if you weren't a Baptist?" And the guy said, "I'd be ashamed." But anyway, listen. If I find anything close to the Bible, I'll be it. But I want to say this, friend. It's not through religion. It's not through church membership. It's not through any kind of ritual. It's not through uh, some Sabbath keeping. It's not through baptism regeneration. It's not through the Lord's Supper turned into the body of Christ. It's through Jesus and the finished work of the cross of Calvary because Jesus is the Christ. Christ. Say amen. You must believe that to be saved, that he is God when he was dying on that cross. He's Christ. I know you can't figure that out, you can't trace him, but you must trust him, amen? And I can, there's a lot of things I can't figure out. I can't figure out how I'm breathing right now. And I can't figure out how I got breath, amen? My wife sent me through a battery of tests. I had stress tests and, and got stressed on the test and everything else because I couldn't breathe. They found out why I couldn't breathe. It was the backpack on my front, amen? No, And, you know, I, I told her that. I said, please, don't send me through all these thousands of dollars of things. I know what I need. I need to give up fried chicken and biscuits and gravy, and I'll be able to breathe when I'm running around because she just can't she can't believe that I'm slowing up. But I am a little bit, amen. I had to get my breath during that song, praise God. I, I, I might be a windsucker, but I'm going to keep preaching, praise God. But anyway, uh, it's not I think so, and it's not that I hope so. You ought to know so, and you ought to know this. The evidence of physical birth is there has also been evidence of a spirit, spiritual birth. Folks, you know you're alive because you can slap yourself and feel it. You know you're alive because you got birthmarks, amen. You know you're alive because you're breathing. You know you're alive because you're hungry. You know you're alive because you want to sleep, not during my messages. And you know that you're alive because you have natural desires that say there's life in you. Say amen. Now, when you're laying in a casket, you won't have those desires because you'll be D-E-A-D, dead. But you'll be more alive than you've ever been because you'll be with the Savior. Say amen. And that worn-out tabernacle will just be in that casket. But I'm just saying this, friend. The evidence of physical birth, you see it all the time. and But folks, there is an evidence of spiritual birth. If you'll study the Word of God, born of God is mentioned five times in this book. Born of God. And those are the birthmarks of a Christian. You love others. Uh, you, you don't sin habitually. It's not a way of life. Uh, thank God you uh, do right. 1 John 2, 9. Uh, and, and, and then the Bible says that uh, if you're born of God, the commandments are not grievous. And that commandment is to love one another because that's in context of chapter 4. So number one, there's a personal relationship. Number two, real quick, there's a profound rearrangement. There's a profound rearrangement. Look at verse 2. It says about this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our now, folks, I want to tell you something. There's a profound rearrangement. A personal faith relationship with Jesus changes your life. I want to say this, friend. If you are married, you ought to know it. Say, Amen. Once somebody comes to you and said, "Hey, are you married?" So well, I, I, I don't feel like it today. Well, I hope so. I think so. No, you know so. Praise God, because she said I do. She proposed to you, and you, and you said I do, and and thank God you got married. Say, Amen. You made some vows before God. And you remember that. And y'all act married. You know, you sometimes don't get along. That's really acting uh, married according to the world. But, folks, you have a, a spiritual unity and a physical unity. And, folks, I heard someone say about a baby, he looks just like his father. Well, that's what we ought to be, just like our father. Folks, she sure has her mother's eyes. We ought to have the eyes of the Lord. We ought to look at this world through God's eyes. That's wisdom. Wisdom is looking at this world through God's eyes. You look at people through God's eyes. Not as rich and poor, black and white, African or or American. No, friend, saved or lost. That's how the Lord looks at us. He don't look at people's class. He don't look at people's bank account. He don't look at people's religion. You're either saved or lost. You're You're a saint or you ain't. Hey, I like that boy's answer. I know I'm not lost. Amen. He didn't know where he is at as far as geography, but he knew he wasn't lost. He knew where he is at. And, folks, I want to tell you something. You ought to know where you're at because of profound uh, arrangement. Some of the evidence of that profound arrangement is found, number one, in, in verse 1. You love the saints. You love what God loves, but you love who God loves. I'm not going to go into it. I went to, into it last, last um, week, but I'm going to read one verse, and that's 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. I'll read that one verse. It says, we know that we pass from death and life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. God puts a new love in your heart. Amen. I want to tell you something. The reason I'm here starting my 42nd year in February, can't believe that, is because, and this is my first pastor, good night, Um, because I've learned to forgive. I've learned to forgive. You know, most preachers get so hurt that they leave every 3.5 years in America. That's the average lifespan of a pastor. I'll tell you, usually the reason is their wife or the or, or the preacher cannot get over hurt. And they might have hurt somebody, and they can't, they ain't got enough guts to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I was wrong. And they have bitterness, and that bitterness pushes them out to another church. And then they find out the crowd don't like them there. And so they last 3.5 years more. And, folks, it's pathetic, uh, the turnover that we have. That's why missionaries have such a hard time keeping sport. They come back in four years, and half their churches have changed pastors. Why? Because people can't get along. And I want to tell you something, friend. One of the evidence that you're saved is you love people. You love people when they hurt you. You love people when you hurt them. You love people when they're lovable and when they're not lovable. You, hurt, uh, you love people when they're hard to love a person like that i mean they're just you just try, they just try you You know they just act snooty you know they, i mean they would drown today because their nose is up in the air all the time i mean it really full of pride i mean it's just full of themselves and man i mean they'll drown if they don't get that nose down and humble themselves amen bow down before god we love the saints and then listen we love uh we live the scriptures we live the scriptures i want to tell you something there's a divine arrangement rearrangement it's evidence of being salvation we love the saints but we love the scriptures look at verse three it says in first john chapter five it says who 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 is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that jesus is the son of god now let's back up to verse uh, th- two it says and this we know that we love the children of god when we love god and keep his commandments And this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. See, when you get saved, you get a new want to. I cuss as much as I want to. I run around with my beautiful wife as much as I want to. I drink as much as I want to, because my daddy drank. But I want to tell you something. Since I got saved, I don't want to. And since I got saved, I'm scared to. Because I believe if I harbor sin in my life, the Lord's going to whip me. And you know how he can whip a, a good father? Take his children hurt his children, that's right. I don't want them to have to deal with me like that. So I, when I love God and I love his word, but when I don't love God and I don't love his word, I fear him. And I'm not talking about the fear of reverence, I'm talking about the fear that God can whip me and take me to the woodshed. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chastened every son he receiveth. Folks, I'm glad I got a father that dissonance me. I'm glad I got a father that takes the peace of God out of my heart the moment I sin. Yes, sir. I'm glad I got a father that will come after me and pick me up out of the pig pen and make me miserable in that pig pen and bring me back to the father's house. Amen. That's an evidence of being saved. It's either change or chastisement. You cannot live like you want to. Sin is not habitual. 1 John 3, 9 says you do not commit sin habitually when you're saved because you don't want to. And number two is you're scared to. And number three, you've got the liver inside of you, and I don't mean physical liver either. You've got somewhere that's living inside of you, the Holy Ghost. I'll get to that in just a minute. So we love the scriptures. And then I left off here last week, we leave the sinful. We leave the sinful. 1 John chapter 4, and uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says we're overcomers. And Folks, that means we overcome the world. The world, I preached on this a few weeks ago, is the world system. It's the Antichrist system. It's not the world of um, like nature, but it's the world of, of system, like the world of sports, the world of finance. Well, it's the world of Satan. And Satan is the prince and power of this earth. And he and he has a world. He has a world, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, of principalities and rulers in dark places. There's a lot of demons around. Amen? And I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said, listen, there's a lot of demons that's hurting people. Once you get the ministry, you become a target. So get ready, and don't count it lightly. And I'm proud of you, and I want you to go, but I'm going to tell you something. You better pay the price, or you'll be home in four months. That's right, because the warfare intensifies in these strongholds overseas. And the war intensifies when you become a spiritual leader. Just try to do something for God and see what the devil does. He'll get mad, and he'll try to interrupt. Some of the times I've had the greatest days of my life in this church, souls say people come that I've been begging to come for months and then that night, the devil attacks me. And I'm gonna tell you something, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit couldn't live with me. I'm tell you, I said, what is going on in my soul? And my wife will look at me and say, I think the devil's after you. I said, I think he is. Let's pray, forgive me, I'm sorry. You know? And I'm telling you, he'll attack you. He will flat get on your case. And folks, we need to leave the sinful. Therefore, if any man be in Christ a new creature, old things passed away. Now let's get into this verse 6. It's interesting. It says, and, it, and this is he that came by water. You got the three evidences? You got them down? Go back to that next, go back there just a second. Make sure they got it. We'll love the saints, we'll live out the scripture, and we'll lead the sinful. That's the evidence of being saved. That's the evidence of being spirit-filled. That's the evidence of possessing the spirit of God. Y'all got that? Okay, next, two witnesses. I want to call two witnesses to the court. We're going to find Jesus guilty of being the Son of God, guilty of being Christ. You need to realize this. It wasn't just a prophet on the cross. It wasn't just a humble man on the cross. It was God in flesh, Emmanuel, dying for your sins. He was satisfying the justice of God by giving himself, his Son, the Holy Spirit on that cross. It's a miracle. And so the witnesses we're going to call, number one, we're going to call human witnesses. Look at verse six. It says, And this and this this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness, because the spirit is true. For there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth: the Spirit, the Water, and the Blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son. Now I want to sort of put this in reverse order. But Verse 9 says there's human witnesses. John speaks of witnesses of man. The apostles were witnesses. Uh, they were martyrs. They gave their life for Christ. And these men were called witnesses. And they'd been with Jesus. They had walked with him. They'd listened to him. They'd watched him. They had firsthand knowledge of him. They were also very thick-skulled, and they went to sleep when they should have been preaching, uh, praying, and they didn't listen to the preaching of the resurrection, and so they were shocked and in, in, in unbelief. But there's a heavenly testimony. I want you to see this heavenly testimony. In verse 7, the Bible says this, For there are three that bear record in heaven, The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. These three are one. And so there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they all agree in one. Now, you know, it's amazing today, and I think TV's taking it overboard a little bit, but, you know, there's a lot of forensic science. There's a lot of DNA. and Everybody's got a fingerprint. Everybody's got a DNA. You know, if we'd have took the Lord's DNA, the, the Father had been written all over it. The chromosomes would have showed up of the Father's blood. Amen. A supernatural blood. It wouldn't have been Joseph. It would have been Mary and the Father. And Mary is just a, the, the servant of God, not the mother of God. Amen. She's not to be reverent. She's not to be worshipped. She got saved just like any other sinner, Luke chapter 1. And I want to tell you something, friend. If we could take a DNA test, there's a lot of DNA tests that freed people from prison and also identified whose children were whose. And I want to tell you something, it's amazing that everybody's different except identical twins. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And folks, people are having DNA taken from 20 years ago and saying he didn't kill him. It's not his DNA, it's somebody else. It does not lie. We're all unique. We're like snowflakes. We're flaky, I'll tell you that. We're all like snowflakes, Amen. We're all different. Say amen. We're all different. God's designed you differently. Nobody's got my fingerprints. Nobody's got my brain. And you say thank God for that. Nobody's got my head. You're really thankful for that. Amen. I can't even grow hair. But I want to say this. Folks, we're all different, but we're wonderfully and fearfully made by God. And I want to say this. Jesus Christ was a miracle because he was conceived and he was sent forth from the Father, amen, by the Father, and the womb was literally the tabernacle of the holies of holies to tabernacle Jesus Christ in his presence in Mary, and he was born of a virgin, amen, you say, well, I can't figure that out, I can't either, but I believe it, and I'll tell you the reason, because the witness of men, I've seen the changes, I saw the change in my daddy, he used to come home, dog drunk and and wrecked the cars and uh, I remember one time he ran over a neighbor's mailbox and brought the mailbox home with him in the windshield of his comet station wagon now that was a cool car he gave me a comet i said i don't want no comet and i you know i was driving around on a rusty old comet you know and i mean all the girls loved that one praise god i mean you know they were running from that one amen uh, I, I showed up on a bicycle i would impressed them more than a comet you know good night should have changed C to a V, but I'm just saying, thank God that my parents gave me something and made me work for it. But I'll tell you, friend, listen, uh, uh, after he got saved, he wanted to come home early and read the Bible. After he got saved, he didn't need liquor every night. After he got saved, he stayed up late and told Mama that he loved her and that he was thankful for her. And I wanted to run away from home when I was a kid but I didn't run too far because I always got hungry. But um, that's a personal joke. But um, but when he got saved, I wanted to come back from Claxton, Georgia, and just check him out. And sure enough, I'd find him awake past 7 o'clock because he always passed out in his plate. We drug him to bed. And and he'd be reading his Bible. He'd be praying. And then the next morning, he'd get up and hug Mother again and say, I love you. Now, folks, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. That's not Reformation. He ain't thrown in jail and get reformed. He 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 did get thrown in jail many times. Never made it home. Folks, Reformation didn't save him, Brother Larry. You know that. It was regeneration. Praise God, it was salvation. And so there's two evidence I want to give you. The water. The water takes us back to the baptism. Look at verse 8. It says, um, And there are three that bear witness in earth, Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. A lot of people say the water's physical birth, but I think in context you'll see that the water and the blood represents two great times that God made it clear that Jesus is Christ. Amen? Uh, It says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only. Folks, at the baptism of Jesus, there was some miracle that took place. Look at Matthew chapter 3. A miracle took place. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit showed up visibly, vocally. Amen. It's, it's just wonderful. Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. You with me? I'll close in just a minute, and y'all can go back up there and set your boots up or whatever you're going to do. Buy some more books. That's a blessing. My wife bought so many uh, patched the Pirate tapes we had to float along. I said, what did you do? He said, I bought Christmas, honey. She's just smiling, writing that check. I said, don't tell me how much until after I preach, please. He said, oh, you oh, they're going to love it. And I tell you, those are good tapes. Especially that one about Poochie Mount's disease. Every, every teenager needs that song. Poochie Mount. No, every little whining baby needs that too, amen? And I'll tell you something, you should never let your children pout Poochie Mouth disease because they'll grow up and be pitiful. Amen. Suck it up. Praise God. Don't pout. I used to be a powder. My wife was a powder for a few years. She got over it. Amen. She knew she, she had me no matter what. But anyway, you know, thank God. Thank God for the joy of the Lord. Say amen. But I, was, I want you to see this. Where was I going? Matthew chapter 3. And I want you to look at it, verse 16 and 17. I'll try not to chase another rabbit, I promise you. Look at this. I just have a good time preaching, but I want to stay on track. Some rabbits do need to be tracked down and shot. But look at this, Matthew chapter 3, and I want you to look at uh, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says this, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. That tells me it's immersion. It wasn't a sprinkling stuff. That's a bad picture to put a little dirt on somebody's head and think that's burial. Methodists, you got it wrong. Catholics, you got it wrong baptist that's what it means, Submerged, baptizo. It means put under water. Amen. It says, and when he came up straightway out of the water. The uh, the movie Jesus on TV had a little, they went down in the water, put the water in a seashell or something, and sprinkled it on him. I said, that's not biblical. That's not the, the film we handed out, thank God. It's that other Hollywood movie. But anyway, it says in this, and lo the heavens were open unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. So here's the spirit of God. So here you got God the son being baptized. God the father is going to say something now. And lo a voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Thank God for the witness around the water. John here is uh, combating the heresy that was rampant in in these days called Serentian's heresy. That heresy stated that Jesus was merely a man and that at his baptism the divine Christ came upon the human Jesus and empowered him for service. Then the divine Christ left the human Jesus before the cross and a mere man died on on Calvary. And that was a heresy that was taken over in John's day. And so he said, I'm going to combat it. It wasn't some spirit of Christ coming down on Jesus at baptism and then leaving before he died and he was just a martyr. Because, see, they didn't want to say he was Jesus Christ. They just wanted to call him Jesus. And, folks, I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit bears witness. God the Father bears witness at the baptism that Jesus is my beloved Son, that Jesus is the Son of God. It was God. He was God in human flesh from the time He was born and all to the time He died, He was still God in the flesh. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. I know you can't explain the Trinity. And a lot of people say, well, the Trinity is not the Bible. Neither is missions, but we believe in it. Say amen. And neither is a lot of other words in the Bible, but we believe in it. And folks, I want to tell you something. We see the witness of the water. He was born in a human flesh when he was born in Bethlehem, but he was born God, God with us, Emmanuel. Then the blood, the blood, real quick. It takes us to the hour of his death of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 27, and several witnesses took place in Matthew chapter 27. I mean, several things happened that was miraculous at the at the death of Jesus that didn't happen at any other crucifixion. Thousands of people were crucified. I mean, they, they crucified Christians all along the roads, 300 and 400 at a time. Uh, these mad Nero's took, took Christians and put them on a lamp post and doused them with tar and, and used them as a, a lamppost in their uh, drunken orgies. And, and many people were crucified. But that, at this crucifixion, Something miraculous happened. And by the way, none of them three days later arose from the dead and seen by 500 people. Hey, folks, when it was Friday, Sunday is a coming. Say amen. That's what makes Calvary unique and the cross of Calvary unique. And this cross a symbol of what happened at Calvary so miraculous that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, died in your place for your sins. Look at Matthew 27 real quick. We'll close. Try to close. Matthew 27, verse 50. Don't you love to study the word of God? I'm glad you're here. or I wouldn't have anybody to preach to. Look at Matthew 27, verse 50. The Bible says this. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. And behold, the veil in the temple was rent twain from the top to the bottom. You know, that veil was so, so thick that it, they said it would take a team of horses connected to it to rip it open was that thick woven and it stretched from the holy place to the holies of holies that's where once a year the priest would go in and sacrifice the lamb for the sins of the people and if that man's sins were not forgiven he'd drop dead that's why they had a rope around his ankle and bells around the bottom of his robe they would when they heard him stop moving they knew he was dead dead as a hammer because he approached Jesus in an unholy way as a priest but look at this it was ripped from the top to the bottom that's a miracle and folks it says in verse 50 and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. these are all witnesses and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection a lot of people put that resurrection at, at, uh, uh, when Jesus said it is finished that's incorrect it was after his resurrection he was the first fruit <coughs> after his resurrection and he went into the holy city and appeared unto many and then it says that when the centurion hard hearted soldier and they were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake those things that were done they feared greatly saying truly listen to the words now truly this was the son of God they had a witness from a hard hearted soldier I mean the jail keeper got converted amen the other day I was preaching at YDC and three of the guards raised their hands. I said, glory to God. I only got five kids here and I'm preaching too, but three guards raised their hand that they wanted to be saved. Thank God. The Lord's not exempt from using uh, reaching them. But folks, this old soldier, hard-hearted, professional killer, execute execution person, <clears throat> said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Maybe the reason he saw that, because he saw. His attitude on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. He could have called one angel and wiped out that whole crowd. But folks, he forgave them because he was forgiven you. So we have the water and we have the blood. It's no mere man that died on the cross like this cult that was rampant in John's day. This S-E-R-I-N-T-H-I-N-A, the this Surintens, Thentians. But it was it was Jesus Christ. God Almighty, in human flesh, born in Bethlehem, walked 33 years perfect, only perfect man that's ever walked this earth, <coughs> and died and took your hell for you, and took your sin dead. I love that song. I'll close with. I'm not going to sing it. I've already done my duty. My one song is enough a month. But it says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the hope, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. He wrote that song on the spot that had four kids drowned. Four kids, four little girls, I believe it was, drowned in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And God gave him that song, it is well with my soul. Why is it well with your soul? I'll tell you why, because your sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. And thank God, let me just say this. The greatest exchange that could ever take place took place. Your sins he bore. And his righteousness can be imputed to your heart. What an exchange. That he took your sin, he that knew no sin became sin for you. That you might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And so there's no way on this earth he could just be a prophet or been some man that the Spirit of God came on of Christ and went off. Folks, it's undeniable evidence. But I will to tell you something, it's unpeachable evidence. Let me just give you this last thought real quick. It's, it's unpeachable evidence. Why? Because who said it? Number one, I don't believe our God can lie. Amen? Go ahead, and get, go ahead and go through this, brother. I believe with all my heart, when it comes to God's testimony, you can believe it. You can't believe every man's testimony, but you can believe God's. Number one, it's sure and settled. I want you to turn to Hebrews 6. We're going to read three verses and we're out of here. Hebrews chapter 6. I want you to look at verse 18. Hey, folks, God said it. That settles it whether you believe it or not. But if you'll believe it, you'll go to heaven instead of hell. If you believe it, you'll have the heavenly blessings on this earth. If you believe it, you can have peace, joy, purpose, and power on this earth and not live beneath your God-given intended privilege. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 7 that he created you for what? His glory. Revelation 4, 11 says he created you to please him. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, the only way to please God is by faith. By faith. So here's where your faith should go. Hebrews chapter 6, and look at verse 18. It says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. That means really A conviction and courage and comfort who have fled for a refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us our hope is in Jesus Christ love it choir when you sing that song But look at verse 19 watch which hope we have as an anchor of our soul what kind of anchor both sure and steadfast number one we know we have an unimpeachable evidence because Jesus is sure, and he's settled, and his word is sure, and it's settled. Look at this. It says, and which entereth into that within the veil. There's that veil again. And That's, that's not the veil that was rent from the top to the bottom. That's the veil of heaven. It says, whether the forerunner is for entered, even Jesus made higher priest forever after the order of Melchizedek." And so, folks, there's an immutable counsel confirmed by an oath. Verse seventeen says, and that is, it's impossible for God to lie. And folks, our anchor is in this hope, Jesus. But I want to ask you a question: Where is that anchor? That anchor is not down in some soul under the ocean. That anchor is not down in some um, place on this earth. The Bible says the anchor is in Jesus, and where is Jesus? He's entered in. He's the forerunner. So, actually, if you want to get a picture of where your anchor is. It's in Jesus, and Jesus is in heaven. Folks, you've got an anchor that's already there. In the Spirit, you're already there, and you're just here on this earth. And how in the world would you doubt your salvation if you're already there? Because you're in Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, you're there. So really, you're in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven, and you're just a pilgrim passing through. That'll be some surety on that. That'll be some assurance on that, that you know that you're going to heaven. But you're already there, positionally speaking, spiritually positioned. You said, no, I'm not there. I'm not here. I'm looking at you, preacher. I know that, but I'm just saying, folks, our soul, our spirit, our testimony, and our anchor is in Jesus. And we're in Jesus. We're crucified with him. We're in him. And so he's already entered in. So this, this is the testament of saying your assurance has already entered in. And you're in Him, so you're already there before you're there. Amen. Now, I know I've confused some of you. You look like a termite and a yo yo, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. God, help us to realize that we're in Christ and Christ is in heaven. Amen. And we ain't losing it. As long as the head's above the water, the body's not going to drown. Even in Dalton after four inches of rain. <laughs> Noah will be our guest speaker tomorrow. But anyway, let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. I want you to see, number two, is Jesus cannot lie. He's sure and settled, unimpeachable evidence, but he cannot lie. Go to Titus chapter 1, verse 2. Titus 1 2, real quick. Isn't this a blessing? I tell you what, just to have full assurance. I know I'm not lost. Some people never have that assurance because they're always thinking, did I work enough? Did I pray enough? Did I feel enough? Next week I'll deal with feelings, what you ought to feel. How you ought to feel and um, when feelings is not ba- salvation is not based on feelings it's based on the fact of the death burial and resurrection and that you put your faith in it look at Titus 1 2 in hope of eternal life that don't mean hopes I hopes I'm going to get there it means I hope I know it's a hope chest uh, in hope sure hope steadfast hope of eternal life which God has, which which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. See, he had you on his heart when he died for you. He, you were on his mind when Jesus died for you. That's a good gospel song. A lot of them was not, but that was a good one. Folks, he cannot lie. Unimpeachable. You're going to try to get rid of Jesus' word, you, you got another thought coming. Because I want to tell you something, he will not lie. and He is sure and he's steadfast. i got God's word on it. Number three, real quick. Number three, number C, number C. He's sure and steadfast, he cannot allow, and no one can discredit or doubt this witness. He's the witness of all witnesses. He's, he's described in Revelation as the witness. He's the witness. And Folks, all the miracles at the cross, all the miracles at the water, all the, uh, all the miracles when he shed his blood should be a steadfast reminder that you're his witnesses. You're his witnesses, and that the Spirit of God came in your life. Write this verse down, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The Spirit of God baptized you in the body of Christ. That's not baptism. That's what the Church of Christ gets all messed up about. It's not water baptism. It's spiritual baptism. He baptized you in the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And then Romans 8, 9 says, If you do not have the Spirit, you're none of his. And so I want to tell you what this witness is. It's the Spirit of God saying, Hey, listen, Jesus is the Son of God. And He is true. And He is always true. And it's sure and settled. And you're going to try to impeach God's Word, go ahead and change all the doctrines, change all the verses, make the perversions you want to, mistranslate if you want to. But I want to tell you something God's Word still stands. And, folks, the witness is. He's promised you, you don't have to worry about staying saved. He promised you if you'll trust in him and his death, burial, and resurrection, you can know you're saved. Just show the next slide, Brother Joel, real quick. It's his spirit still witnesses. Every believer has a witness of the Holy Spirit within him. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and his presence and alive is the proof of salvation. See, you got somebody living in you if you're saved. It's a spiritual experience. I didn't. I, I don't want to bring this up. I'm going to bring it up. When I was a teenager, I backslid, and I went to this uh, movie. I don't go to movies now. I mean, think need them. And it was an Exorcism. Exorcist. That's what it's called. And I want to tell you, it's the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. It scared the hound. I didn't. I didn't sleep for three weeks. Uh, maybe three minutes. But, you know, it was, it was it was somewhere around there, and this 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 girl was demon possessed. And her head go all the way around, not to stop. Isn't that the stupidest thing you ever seen? I mean, you know, and we all we sit on the edge of our seats, say, like, "Wow, goodness!" And then uh, I went to this preacher's meeting, and Jack Hudson, pastor of Northside Baptist Church, they filmed this girl that was demon possessed, and and they showed it in his office. And she come in, and she's speaking in this awful voice, and I had old rusty Laver with me, and he. hair was standing up on his arms, and he was scared to death. And I'm going to tell you something, that was real. I went bus visiting and uh, met this girl, and she was demon-possessed, and she threw me and my partner across the room, and she had this terrible voice. And I said, you know something, this demon-possession thing's real. It's real. It's not some spooky, charismatic experience. It's real. And you know what, I'm going to tell you something. If that spirit, devil spirit's real, and it can control people and make people go to school with guns and shoot their friends because they were bullied. That's demons. Say amen. Shoot their teachers. Shoot their parents. That's demons. You don't do that in your right mind. You're just demon possessed. Let me give you the opposite. Spirit possessed. God comes in your life and helps you love. Gives you joy. Even in valley gives you strength, gives you, gives you convictions, gives you a new want to. And he possesses you if you let him. And he possesses you to do good, to be a good mama, to be a good daddy, to be a good neighbor, to be a good Baptist, be a good whatever. Give a good child of God. And folks, I don't know about you, but I want to be possessed. I know it's a bad time to mention it with this Halloween junk going on, but I want to be possessed. By the Spirit. And that's exactly what he means when he says be filled with the Spirit. It means you'll be controlled by the Spirit. And when you are, the evidence is your head don't go backwards. And you don't speak in some ungodly kind. You don't throw the bus captain across the room. It takes two of us to hold the girl down. And you don't cuss and rave and rant. And you don't kill your mom and daddy. You love. The the Spirit is what? Love and joy and peace and gentleness, temperance. You actually control your temper. But you don't do it. The Holy Ghost does it. Say amen. And then there's faith and meekness. Meekness is not thinking down on yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself. The only way you can get pride out of your life is the Spirit of God possesses your life. Take your pick. Demon possession, Holy Spirit possession. World possessed, Holy Spirit possessed. Self-possessed, live for your little old self. It's always me, myself, and I. Pride or Holy Spirit, what's best for your glory? Can I yield to you more today? Can I bring glory to your name by being different? Christ's life. So I got a witness. And I want to tell you something, if I was shooting people, cussing people out, I'd say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the persons that are possessing me are demons. But I want to tell you something, when I love people that hurt me, I can say, Holy Ghost, thank you for taking over. Because in the flesh, it wouldn't be no love right now. I'd knock his head off. I'd hurt him. I'd get even, I'd walk out on my wife, I'd neglect my children, that's demons, that's the devil, that's the world, and I'm going to tell you one thing, when I got saved, the Holy Ghost snipped those puppet strings, and I became free, and I can be possessed by the Spirit of God, so if you want to ask me how I know I'm saved, well, it's at Calvary, I saw that he was Christ. At the baptism, I heard he was Christ. But I want to tell you something. When I got saved, someone moved in and came into my life. And I have a personal relationship with the Lord. And I thank God for it. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for the blessed assurance that Jesus is ours. That, God, we can have joy and peace and love and purpose and power that only you can give us. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I know I need to be more possessed. And sometimes, God, it seems like I got a lot of holes in my heart. And I leak a lot. And Lord, I know that I need to be refilled and filled daily and filled with the word. Because old flesh tries to take over in my life. God, I thank you for the victory that was won at Calvary. And the victory that I received that overcometh the world, even our faith. God, give me more faith. And help me to yield more to you day by day that I might glorify you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I about preached too long, but I don't apologize. because This might be my last message. It might be your last message. You never know. I'm serious. You should say, Preacher, I know without a doubt if I died today that I've been saved by the grace of God. I have a new desire in my heart I have someone that can possess me to love and possess me to be glorifying to God and I can live up to the very purpose I was born that's to glorify my maker be in union with my creator I know I'm saved would you raise your hand as a happy grateful testimony of that all over this auditorium nobody's going to look around amen it's private How many say you're glad you saved say amen now, several cannot raise your hand I give an invitation to every service every time I preach at a funeral, every time I preach a wedding because I never know if I'll see you again. She'd say, preacher, I couldn't raise my hand, but I'm concerned about my soul. I'd say, please pray for me because I don't want to live another day without Christ. I want to live another day beneath my privilege of being spirit-controlled, love-controlled, peace-controlled. And I want you to pray for me. I'll be saved before it's too late slip your hand up real high and then back down I won't come to you I won't embarrass you I wanna do the most I could ever do for you and I want to pray I want to pray for you anyone think enough of your soul say please pray for me thank you thank you for your honesty I appreciate the way you listen anybody else just slip your hand up now you can be a member of this church and not be saved yeah you can be a religious but lost you need to get saved that mean say preacher I'm saved but I sure need to be filled I sure need to be controlled. I sure need to yield to the spirit not the flesh. And I just need to grow closer to God and yield more of my being to God. And I want to do that. I want to be a spirit-filled witness in these last days. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer all over this place? I got to raise mine. Father, thank you for conviction. Lord, your word's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Cuts beneath the Mast and the facades and the masquerade of religion it gets right to the heart of the matter Lord I pray for this one that raised their hand for prayer to be saved pray to God that today would be the day tonight would be the night He turns his whole life over to you God for others that should have raised their hand that couldn't raise their hand I pray today would be the day of salvation and Lord for all of us that raised our hand to be spirit filled witnesses God help us to be the best Christian Somebody knows. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.